Scott's up there going, cut your mic on, cut your mic on. Beautiful. Thank you all so much for that worshipful time. And I love to hear you all out there singing. It's just, it's just beautiful. And whew, I don't know, I was getting chills over there and trying not to cry and it's just good stuff. So here we are. We're wrapping up our series today of choices. This is our fourth week talking about choices. We got choices in life. Everything in life is full of choices. And we see a theme of, of what we've looked at for the last four weeks. And really, it, it seems to turn out better when we keep our eye on God. Keep our eye on God. That's the choice. And it just seems like it always turned out better that's all i got this week y'all have a wonderful time no i'm kidding that's a sermon in itself isn't it just keeping our eyes on god so i, I met with uh, bobby and tanya earlier this week and and i said i, I knew i was going to end on joseph and, and and in my mind i knew joseph who was the son of Jacob, was a big task. And I said, I'm here, and I'm trying to bring it down to here. But we're going to go through quickly the entire life of Joseph. Now, Jacob, and you'll hear him referred to throughout the scriptures that we're going to spend time with today. He also is Israel, and if you remember, he says that he wrestled with God. And his name was, he was given the name of Israel. So the scriptures actually bounce back and forth. Sometimes we hear him referred to as Jacob, and sometimes we hear him referred to as Israel. But he's one and the same. Joseph is the 11th son of him. Now, he was the youngest where we're going to start this. And I'll start with the first slide. Joseph, a young man of 17, so keep that in mind, 17, very young, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives, and he brought their father a bad report of them. So it kind of sets it up for us right here that basically he was the youngest, and hey, Dad, look what my brothers are doing. They're, they're not doing right. So it kind of gives us a little inkling of some of the things Joseph might have done. Now Israel, Jacob, loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age and he made him an ornate robe for him. Now there's no good translation in English what ornate means. They've made plays about this and you may remember uh, Joseph in the Technicolor dream code and the code of many colors. Basically, no doubt, it was a beautiful robe better than his brothers had ever seen when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him that is such a strong word those of us that are parents we have probably heard our kids say i hate you i hate them and usually that's when we circle back around and go hate is such a strong word you know do you, do you really hate them? And like, yes, I hate them. No, you don't hate them. We try to back off of that. Hate is such a strong word. Obviously, his brothers were kind of fed up with how Joseph was treated. And you, you kind of got to read between the lines. I think Joseph was probably a little bit of an instigator. 
He was probably the youngest son who kept poking and prodding. I was. Most of my young life I had, it was me and my older brother, seven years older. Man, I got him in so much trouble. Because I could start something, instigate something, I could run faster than he would, and then he'd get caught. It was, it, was, it was good for me, you know. But the younger brother does a lot of, not, a lot of nudging, and, and that's probably what Joseph was like. Well, he was given a gift to be able to interpret dreams. Now, these were not ordinary dreams, and I'm not going to unpack them completely. Just like when we spent time a few weeks ago with David, I kept telling you to go read Samuel. Well, you need to go back and read Genesis. I'm hoping I'm just wetting it just enough of that flower that's going to grow into you reading all of Genesis and the life of Joseph. Because we're starting in chapter 37. We're going to land in 50. So we're just peppering it. But Joseph has started being able to interpret dreams. And one of his dreams, he was talking about uh, the wheat and all growing and all the other wheat bows down to the one that's taller. I'm the taller one. They're like, what? We ain't bowing down to you. That was his interpretation. Then our next slide. Then he had another dream. And he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream. And this time the sun and the moon and 11 stars we're bowing down to me. When he told his father, as well as his brothers, his fathers rebuked him and said, what is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? So his dream, he doesn't realize what he's doing. He's basically sharing a prophecy with them. Now, even if he was his favorite, Jacob's like, hold on, son. I think you're getting a little too big for your britches. You're saying that me and your mom and your brothers are going to come bow down to you? Let, let, let's back off of that a little bit. Brothers, brothers have such a dislike, and most likely Joseph was not the most humble. So we see Jacob, he sends, his, sends Joseph out to his brothers. They're working in the field. So Joseph went after his brothers, this is our next slide, and found them near Dothan. But they saw him in the distance, and before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. This is their flesh and blood, and they plotted to kill Joseph. Here comes that dreamer, they said. Come now, let's kill him and throw him in one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. And if you read all this scripture, they are literally plotting to kill their brother, their baby brother. We're going to take him out. Talk about choices. How does it get that bad? How does the 10 other brothers, somebody not step up and go, hold on a minute. We're really going to kill little Joseph? Only one that it says in the scriptures. Reuben kind of spoke up. He had a plan. All right, let's put him in this cistern. This cistern would have been big, big enough for a 17-year-old man to get in. And he was going to circle back and find him. But in the end, they sold him to slavery. There were some slave traders coming through and go, man, we can get rid of him and make money off of it. Again, this is their flesh and blood. I'm sure this is not how Jacob raised them. 
but they are so distraught. They are so done with him. That's exactly what they do. And now lies have to start. One lie after another lie after another lie. And they come back to their dad with this torn up robe. And I'm reading, uh, he recognized it and said, it is my son's robe. This is Jacob that they have brought this torn up robe to. Some ferocious animal has devoured him. Joseph has surely been torn to pieces. And you can imagine the anguish how Jacob would have been saying this. Then Jacob tore his clothes, put on sackcloth, and mourned for his son many days. All his sons and daughters came to comfort him. Now let's stop right there. These sons who were plotting to kill him sold him into slavery. Now they're going, Dad, it'll be okay. Surely he's with God now. Whatever you would say in that moment, Dad, it it was probably quick. I mean, what lies can you tell? At this point, it says they were comforting their father, and they're the ones that just sold him to slavery. I mean, just that choice alone, what kind of consequences did they not think was going to happen? It's just amazing. But he refused to be comforted. No, he said, I will continue to mourn until I join my son in the grave. So his father wept for him. I will continue to mourn until I join my son in the grave. Meaning, there's nothing you can say that's going to console me. Meanwhile, the Mennonites sold Joseph into Egypt to Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard. Now, what we don't see in the scripture here, what we don't hear, man, what was Joseph thinking? No doubt Joseph probably looked up to his brothers. I mean, he was an instigator, and I was a big instigator to my brother, but I loved him. I knew that it didn't matter how much I messed with him, he was going to take care of me. We, we had this neighborhood bully, and I'm not going to tell you his name because y'all might know him, but we had this neighborhood bu- bully, and remember Chad's seven years older than me. This kid is like one year younger than Chad. He was a big kid. He was bigger than Chad, and So one day, he's like picking on everybody. He's picking on Chad. And I had this toy gun. Remember back when we used to like have holsters and guns and it was okay to play, you know, uh, cowboys and Indians kind of thing. So I had this toy gun. He was so tall, I had to jump up, whack, and caught Philip. Oh, I wasn't supposed to say his name. Caught that guy right across the thing. You know why I was comfortable doing that? Philip could have squashed me with his little finger. I had my brother right there with me. So I was like, you're not going to mess with us anymore. Whack. And so my brother's like, he snatches me up, throws me over his shoulder and runs. <laughs> and I'm sure I was yelling the whole way, let me at him, let me at him. Philip didn't mess with us anymore, though. The point is, me and my brother, I'm up here dancing around, losing my mic. My brother and I would fight all the time. But I can pick on my brother, but you better not mess with him. That's what a brother and sister relationship is supposed to be like. They have sold him into slavery. And you have to wonder, Joseph's like, my gosh, what have I done that is so bad? They've given me away to slave traders. What in the world? Just imagine what his brain is going to, what is going to be next. 
Our next set of slides. The, the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered. And he lived in the house of the Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything that he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and entrusted to his care everything he owned. And we don't know exactly how quick this happened. We don't know. Now, I, you got to think about it. There, there is a whole thing where he's captive, he's chained, he's sold off again. And, and it's probably just a lot of scary moments. But obviously, Joseph was making the choice not to forget who his God was. Even in this unimaginable horror that he found himself in. And because he did that, God in this unspeakable situation blessed him and Potiphar saw it and again we don't know exactly how long all of that took we know how long he was in captivity but he didn't take his eyes off God just like Peter when he got out of that boat when he started out he had his eyes focused on God he could walk on water but as soon as he took his eyes off God and we can only imagine what Joseph's saying God I am so homesick God, God I don't Fully understand what I've done to deserve this. There had to be prayers like that. Had to be prayers like that. Now, poor Joseph, he's on a roller coaster of life here. Turns out to uh, his unfortunate demise, he was handsome. He was so handsome that Potiphar's wife tried to seduce him. And she would not leave it alone. Again, I'm skipping over a lot of that part of the scripture. But he basically is like, look, whoa, you're my master's wife. I, I'm sorry. I, I, we're not going there. And he says to her, and I'm in chapter 39, verse 9, no one is greater in this house than I am. I've been given complete control. My master has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife, how then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? Again, Joseph's focus is on God. This is a, a strapping young man. I mean, he probably, she was probably going, look, I can take care of you. I, I can make it even better than, than what you have right now. And he's like, look, I'm not going to go there. We're, I'm not going to sin like this. He is, again, keeping his eyes on God. Well, it made her mad. I'm jumping to verse 19. When his master heard this story, his wife told him, basically she lied about him, saying, this is how your slave treated me. He burned with anger, Potiphar did. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him and showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. Now, I want to stop right there for a second. Can you imagine that roller coaster ride? The, the turning away of his brothers, the feeling like, what have I done? Being sold to this man, but then he finds favor and then he's in control of everything. And now he's back in a prison cell. He's got to be going, oh, man, what, what have I done? How can this be? But obviously, he keeps 
focusing and praising God. So the, so the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because he trusted him because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Again, we don't know how long this time frame is. But any of us, this would be weighing on our psyche. I could ask you, hey, have you ever kind of been through something similar, a roller coaster ride where everything's going good and then everything turns upside down? And you're like, God, I, I, I don't understand. I don't understand why we are in this situation. What have I done to deserve this? But obviously, he still kept a positive attitude. He was intentional about not taking his eyes off of God. He's now in charge of the prison. Can you imagine if you were writing home, if, if, if he was able to write home to his mom, Mom, well, I'm back in prison, but I'm in charge of everything. Is that going to make his mom feel any better? No. So now comes along the cupbearer and the baker. Two people who are, they're, they're part of uh, the Pharaoh's people, his court, his, his baker, and his cupbearer. Now, a cupbearer is somebody that is basically right there with Pharaoh, and he basically sips before Pharaoh takes a drink. He's, he's his right-hand person when he sits down to eat, very close to him. Pharaoh's mad at him, throws them in jail, and then they start having these dreams. They are dejected. They're beside themselves. And we see what Joseph does here in the next scripture we're getting ready to read. Not only did he have a positive attitude in his horrible condition, he cared about other people. He is being the love of God even when there didn't seem to be any love to go around. Genesis 40 verse 6, when Joseph came to them, that is the uh, cupbearer and the baker. The next morning, he saw that they were dejected. So he asked Pharaoh's officials who were in custody with him in his master's house, why do you look so sad? I mean, you're in prison. Come on, why do you look so sad? Liven up. It's all good. He's checking on them. We both had dreams, they answered, but there is no one to interpret them. Then Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God? Again, he's giving all the credit to God. Tell me your dreams. He gives all of that credit. And he is the interpreter, but he's saying that I can't do any of this without God. God is the one that gives me all the ability to have this gift to interpret dreams. It goes all the way back to when he was a kid, remember? That's part of the reason why his brothers were mad at him and what was to come. So he tells them about their dream. The baker doesn't have quite such a good future in, in sight according to Jacob. I'm sorry, according to Joseph. And then he tells the cupbearer what's going to happen. Say, hey, man, you're going to be reinstated. You're going to be good to go. And this next verse I'm going to share with you, we catch a little glimpse of Joseph's inner thoughts. So both of them are taken after three days out of the prison. And this is what Joseph said to the cupbearer because he knew that he was going to be reinstated. He knew he was going to be good to go because of how he interpreted his dream. 
but when all goes well with you, <clears throat> excuse me, remember me and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh and, and get me out of this prison. Now, I want you to imagine this. His buddies that he was just saying three days ago, why are you so sad? We're in prison. And as he's saying it, hey, please remember me. As he's still in prison. He's still bound. He still can't go where he wants to go. I was forcefully carried off from the land of the Hebrews. And even here, I have done nothing to deserve being put in this dungeon. It's all been lies. Everything that happened to the cupbearer and the baker happened just as Joseph said it would. Now, you would think at some point, the cupbearer, who probably went up with his chest held high, going, hey, I know I'm going to make it out of this. He wasn't having to grovel like, like please, I, I'm sorry for whatever I did. No, Joseph already told him, you're going to be good to go. You would think at some point he'd go, oh, yeah. Let me tell you about this man in prison who I know is chosen by God. No. He completely forgets about it. He completely forgets about him. Two more years passed for Joseph in the prison. Have you ever had a season of life where it seemed like the year was never going to end? Can you imagine Joseph choosing to have a positive attitude day after day, stuck in that prison going, well, I guess he forgot about me. Finally, Pharaoh starts having these dreams and, and he gets all of these people, these sorcerers and these magicians and tell me what this dream means. Nobody can tell him what the dream means. And then in the next slide, then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, today I am reminded of my shortcomings. Are you kidding me? You've been living high on the hog for two years now, the man who eased your pain, the man who said you'll be okay, is still rotten in jail. Oh, I'm reminded of my shortcomings. Let me tell you about somebody who I think can interpret your dreams. It's just, it's just amazing, so many of the ironies that we see here. So Pharaoh brings Joseph. Joseph gets himself cleaned up. No doubt he had a big old full beard and crazy hair going everywhere. He gets cleaned up, says he's shaved, and he's now in front of Pharaoh. And Pharaoh basically says, here are my dreams. And then, this is so awesome. Pharaoh says, I understand you can interpret dreams. Chapter 41, verse 16. I cannot do it, Joseph replied to Pharaoh, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. After all of this roller coaster, he's finally out. He's got his chance, and he's going to be able to interpret it. That's a gift that God gave him. He doesn't make it about him. It is so tough, so tough with our human nature. And I promise you, the evil one wants us nothing more to start gloating about our own abilities. Look what I've done. Look how good I've been. Listen how good I can sing over here. I can't sing a lick. Any of y'all been close to me? That was a joke. Okay, I forget that y'all don't know me that well yet. I can't carry a tune in a bucket. But anyway, 
We were talking about that before, weren't we, Miss Vanaway? That God's got a really good filter when I sing because somehow it turns into a joyful noise. It's not when it starts over there in that corner. But anyway, it's human nature for us to want to make it about us. And continuously, Joseph said, hey, man, I'm nothing in this equation. It's all about God. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has made all of this known to you, there is no one discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace and all my people are to submit to your orders only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. Now I got to rambling a little bit there and kind of skipped over my notes, but basically the dreams that he told him, there were going to be seven good years. They were going to be very prosperous for seven years, more grain than they ever needed, more food than they ever needed. And then there were going to be seven years of famine. And if they didn't come up with the right plan, they were all going to die, be wiped off the face of the earth because there was going to be no food to eat. And basically, Pharaoh says, obviously, God is with you. So the famine does come, and it reaches the land of Canaan where Jacob the father of Joseph and his remaining brothers still live. They too were not, they didn't have any food. So they had heard that there was food in Egypt. So J Jacob sends his brothers and he sends 10 of them, the 10 that were with Joseph when they sold him into slavery, to go to Egypt. He now has another son, Benjamin. He's not going to send his youngest son again. There's no way he's going to go through what he's went through with Joseph. So he keeps him behind. Now, Joseph was the governor of the land. This is chapter 42, verse 6. The person who sold grain to all the people. So when Joseph's brothers arrived, they bowed down to him with their faces to the ground. We have now went full circle here, ladies and gentlemen. The very dream that Joseph had when he was 17 years old, that they were going to come to him and bow down, he is witnessing it. He's like, oh my gosh, he knows everything that's going on. They don't recognize that he's Joseph yet right here in front of him. 22 years later, I will tell you right now, my biggest struggle is patience. And we, we see so much that we want to do. We see so much that wants to happen. And we have to realize sometimes God's time is not our time. And you want to see some of my personal biggest screw-ups is when I try to force things that I know that I should just be patient and wait. Can you imagine the roller coaster ride for Joseph? 22 years have passed, 13 of which have been spent either in slavery or in prison. And now his brothers are bowing right in front of him. What would have your choice been at this point? Now, if we were watching this a made-for-TV movie, no doubt this would have probably been PG-13, and you guys could just barely watch it. And it would have been like, man, what has happened? Take them out. Take them out right now. Keep throw them in jail. Make them feel what you felt, Joseph. That's what our human nature tells us. They sold you into slavery. They were going to kill you. And we know that that's not what he done. 
Not only does he give them everything that they need, he gives them more than what they need. He asks all kinds of questions about the family, and he sends them back even with the money that they brought to pay, which is kind of cool because it freaks them out when they get home. Like, oh my gosh, they didn't even take our payment. What are we going to do? They're going to come back and have our head. It's like we stole it. So he goes back again. Now we are some years later, and they are out of food. And they basically, in that interaction, Joseph said, I'm going to keep one of your brothers here. You bring back the younger one here. I want to meet your youngest brother. They're like, man, our our father's not going to let us do that. So when they go back and forth again, I encourage you to go read all the scriptures. Like, look, he said, if we didn't bring Benjamin back, he's not going to give us any more food. So they come, and it's Benjamin, and there's a lot of interaction. They sit down. They have a meal. But the whole time, Joseph realized it is. He's very emotional for him. Finally, he tells them. Before he tells them. He actually sends them back with their stuff and puts his silver chalice into Benjamin's thing. Again, he's messing with them a little bit. They open it up. Oh, my gosh, he's going to have all our heads. He can't take it anymore. I'm Joseph. I'm your brother. There were no, why did you do what you did to me? What did I do that was so bad that you wanted to kick me into slavery? He rejoiced. He rejoiced with his long-lost brothers. He made a choice. Now, he's got a wife, he's got close friends, and they're probably like, really? Absolutely. God has brought me here. And now, chapter 45, verse 5, his his brothers are like, oh my gosh, he's going to take us out, We're, we're all dead. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry, Joseph said with yourselves, for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. Last week I asked the question, if we could go through life and we knew we did one thing to save another, would it be worth it? Whatever that one thing would be, if, if, if we knew we were some part of leading somebody to the Lord, and in our belief that saves their life, they're going to be in glory with God, is that one thing worth it? If we, could do one, if we could go through a whole bunch of mess, knowing that we could save our whole family, would it be worth it? Do you think that if Joseph had interpreted the dream that, hey, you're going to be almost killed, you're going to be sold into slavery, you're going to be brought to power, you're going to be thrown back in prison again, then you're going to rise up and be brought to power again, but it's all to save people. Are you in? You think he would have said yes on the front end? But Joseph right here again, his brothers are worried like, man, he's getting ready to take us out. What we did was so wrong. Can you imagine how many conversations they've had through the years? How much guilt they carried? How many lies upon lies? Because I bet you Jacob didn't just leave it laying there. I bet you there's plenty of time. Tell tell me again what, what happened to my boy. Foreclosure. And again, they were having to lie to their dad. They thought they were done. They were toast. Jacob 
had done all, been through, I'm sorry, Joseph had been all of this and he can recognize what you intended for bad. God has rose me to royalty nonetheless. So Jacob is brought to Egypt. Pharaoh finds out, sends a bunch of his people down to get uh, Jacob and his whole family brought the entire nation of Israel to Egypt. How they got there, if you know anything about Exodus. So he brings his entire family to Egypt and they're treated like royalty. He sends them all kinds of carriages and he is allowed to die with his family knowing that his son Joseph is alive. Once he dies, his brothers again chapter 50 verse 18 his brothers then came and threw themselves down before him we are your slaves they said because they thought the only reason he's been keeping us alive is for the old man the old man's gone he's going to kill us for sure now jumping to verse 19 but joseph said to them don't be afraid i am in the place of god i want to stop right there we hear about righteousness, and we talk about right living. He had put his faith in God through that crazy journey of life, his entire life, and he goes, I know God has put me here. I am in the place of God. He is that confident in his awful sometimes journey. I am in the place of God. You, and this is one of the more famous scriptures of all the Bible, you intended to harm me. But God intended for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. That's amazing. You know, there are saints among us that they go through some of the most horrific of things. And it's mind-blowing to us sometimes, how are they so faithful? How are they so calm? How in the middle of this treachery are they still giving the glory to God? Because they've made a conscious choice to put their eyes on God. It is intentional. Bobby and Holly, if y'all come on up. I believe with all my heart, God wastes nothing. He wastes nothing. It took Joseph 22 years before he understood what it was all for. Can you imagine those first few nights in chains? Having no idea that he was going to be sold to somebody in Egypt, he had no idea what was next. 22 years later, because he never took his eyes off of God, because he always went to God, obviously, in prayer he said, I am in the place of God. It's a whole movement in our society today to take God out of everything. We have to be intentional about being in a place of God. We have a choice to either go along with the majority of our society today or go, no. My faith is in God, not this world. I hope that we all can be more intentional. Let me pray.
God, we thank you for the gift of this scripture, just one story after another of putting our faith in you. It's a story of redemption. It's a rescue story from start to finish. God, we thank you for allowing us to be part of your rescue story. Help us in this crazy world, just like Joseph, to put our eyes on you, to focus on you, even and especially when we don't understand. We pray all this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. stand with us. Let the king of my heart be the mountain where I run, the fountain I drink from, oh he is my song. Let the king of my heart be the shadow Through a lot of things in life, and I believe 
that these scriptures, the reason they're there, we don't have to know the exact place in the scripture, where it's at. God, help me, just like you pulled Peter out of that water, just like when Joseph was sent to prison. These are stories to remind us that God is good all the time, and it may not be in our time. It may not be the way we want it. I'm sure Joseph would have been happy to, hey, Joseph, I'm going to bring you to Egypt. You're going to be over everything and skip all that mess. But he wouldn't have learned to stay focused on God. Pray you have a wonderful week. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.